Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. This conversation is called Test and Testament. And the question for you all to get started with is, what new rhythms have you taken on lately? Enjoy. One of the themes that we talk about at New Abbey is this idea of maturity, that we talk about healing and we talk about transformation and everybody wants that. We wanna be healed in our lives and we wanna be transformed into something new. But maturity is something that's incredibly difficult. And so where we wanna go today is this idea of where are you maturing in this moment? That even in the midst of a pandemic, in quarantine, with social distancing, with so many uncertainties and unknowns that we're maturing, that we're asking different questions about what it means to be human and who is God. And so to talk about maturity and where we're at on our path, we gotta talk about a few things. We're gonna talk about the road. And if we can talk about the road, then we're gonna talk about Jesus because you know it's a church in 2020 in Los Angeles. And if we can talk about Jesus, then we're gonna talk about being open to a bigger yes. And then we're gonna get old school here and talk about test and testament. And if we can talk about a test and testament, then we'll talk about do we have some eyes to see? And if we have eyes to see, then let's get really practical and just get outside and we'll close with a classic rabbi that each of the Gospels are unique, that the Gospel of Matthew is a Gospel that's all about change. It's about change because it's the most Jewish of all of the other Gospels. Matthew, in a lot of ways, is taking the earliest Christians, these Jews, through a narrative about reorienting and re-understanding who they are as a people to becoming this universal priesthood for all of humanity. It's reorienting their narrative of who God is. It's why Matthew starts with the genealogy, which would have been so important to the Jews. It's why Matthew is this gospel that brings everybody to the Sermon on the Mount. And that if you were a good Jew hearing the stories of Jesus, you'd be reminded of Moses and Elijah and Abraham and the great prophets and leaders who came before, who encountered God on a mountain. That Matthew, as we said last week, is the only gospel that talks about the temple curtain being torn in two. It's saying, this is how you used to encounter God and the divine and understand your humanity. But now God is taking you somewhere new. And as we move from the Gospel of Matthew, which talks all about change, and as we look at the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke is all about the journey. That Luke is the only gospel that has stories of Jesus as an infant and as a teenager. It's like Luke is taking us on this journey where we literally grow up together. That we go from being little babies to children to becoming mature adults. And in that process, we're figuring it out with one another. That the story of Jesus is not just a story that we raise our hands and say a little prayer and that Jesus did everything 2,000 years ago. And if we would just receive it and believe it and let go and let God, then everything will be okay, my brothers and sisters. No. That's not the story that we're being invited into. We are asked to follow this Jesus. And Luke gives us this metaphor of a road, that all throughout the Gospel of Luke, there is a road that Jesus is on. 
This is a road that Jesus is on even as a teenager who goes to the temple. That Jesus is on a road constantly taking his disciples to see the marginalized, to expand their view of humanity and who God is. That it is a road that leads Jesus into Jerusalem, into crucifixion, and out of that road of resurrection that Jesus is taking his followers into something new. And so it is that road in Luke that we will be following today as we look at a post-Easter story, that Luke is putting us on a path because it's saying this, life is not stagnant, that all of the plot points that you have in life, things change for you. And thankfully they change, but not only do they change, you mature on the path as things change. You grow along the way. We don't always get to choose where we're at on the path. There are often things that happen to us, and then there are things that we go and make sense of. But we are on a journey. And as Jamil just said so beautifully, we don't have to be terrified about everything that has happened before us, and we don't have to be fearful about everything that is ahead. The things that we can control the things that we can play a part in is that we can choose how we want to be mature. As we've said in here so many times, you may be powerless, but you're not helpless. That you have parts of your journey that you can work on yourself, that you can grow in your own self-awareness and ownership. And those are the things that we see in this post-resurrection story in Luke 24. Follow along with me. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, and in the Greek would say, on the road. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along this path? this road, this journey that you're on. They stood still and their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. That should be somebody's life verse, by the way. And they went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further on this journey, on this road, on this path. But they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. 
When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. That on this path of maturity, as people of faith, something that we believe in, that we hope for, is that God always shows up on the road with us. That Jesus always shows up in the midst of our journey. This is not me trying to do some uh, type of televangelist good news here. It's the core belief that we have in all of the scriptures. That the scriptures begin even with the story of Abraham, that God calls out in a voice and that Abraham responds. It's the story of Moses that we've said so many different times that when Moses saw the burning bush, it wasn't that the bush started burning, it's that the bush was always burning and that Moses finally had eyes to see it. It's this idea that God is always there on the journey. But sometimes later on, we'll have eyes to see the reality of how God was there with us. That's the hope that we live into. I use this definition of grace every week, an unconditional love of God that meets you exactly where you're at. That's grace. Exactly where you're at is where God shows up. Not a narrative that so many of us grew up with. I know that I did and this idea that I need to do some things in order for God to show up. I need to say certain prayers and there's some things I definitely shouldn't do. And if I do those things, then I'm either further away from God or somehow God is closer to me. We use all of this directional language when we speak of the divine and our relationship to God. But the story that we see over and over and over in the scriptures is that Jesus is always there with us on the path, that God is always there beside us. And I don't mean that in some cheap or trite way. I mean that that is the hope of resurrection, that there is a living and risen God who is not disconnected from the travails and troubles and the pains of humanity. That even for the two followers who are on the road, they're saying the story of, man, we were just in Israel. We had all of these hopes and we had all of these dreams and we put all of our faith and hope in Jesus. And in December of 2019, I would have never imagined that in April 2020 that I would be quarantined or that my job would be taken taken away or that the entire world would be going through this. That the narrative is the same. That whether we find ourselves 2,000 years ago or today, there are moments where we have hopes, where we have dreams and things don't work out as we planned. And the story of Jesus is that even after crucifixion, even after our darkest days, even after the places in our lives when we didn't think that God could show up, God shows up in the most God-forsaken that it is through Friday, not going around it or avoiding it, that we enter into Sunday that it is on the other side of resurrection that we experience a new maturity, which we have eyes to see in bigger ways how God has always been there. That when we look at these stories, we prepare ourselves to say open to a bigger yes. That one of the things that I realize, particularly about progressives, and I'm a progressive, and most of our church are progressive Christians, is that part of the path of being progressive and asking bigger questions 
and moving away from whatever conservative that you had. And when I say conservative and progressive, I don't mean political. Conservative is simply defined as this. You're conserving a set of beliefs that you previously held on to because they work for you. And when you're a progressive, you are progressing from those conservative sets of beliefs because they no longer worked from you. That many of us stand in different places on a spectrum between conservative and progressive. It's just about which way you look that you will always find people more conservative than you. And you will always find people more progressive than you. But one of the underbellies, one of the false selves, one of the things that happens a lot of times in the progressive world is that we become cynical and that we become critical and we become negative and we become the fundamentalists that we've moved away from. So we challenge everything that happens over here and we begin to say a lot of no's, that we've restricted ourselves in some ways and we begin to say no to the reality that God could be with us. We begin to say no to the reality that God could somehow be for us and ahead of us in the journey. Because so much of what we heard about God, so much of our relationship with God was tied to these conservative systems that are back here. But as we say at New Abbey all of the time, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because those systems and those rhythms were offered to you and they don't work anymore, doesn't mean that God doesn't work anymore in your life. It doesn't mean that God's not showing up in your life. And I would hate to be so critical and so cynical that we would miss the opportunity to say yes to the fact that God is there with us in the journey. That it's easier to be negative. It's easier to play the victim card. It's easier to be critical. And there are some things that you should be critical about. There are some things that you should challenge. There are some things that we should shout out, shout out about and say, that is not the best way for humanity. But if in our shouting, in our cynicism, if it leads to cynicism and us being critical and it leads us to missing the opportunity to saying yes to the reality that God is with us, then it's a miss. And so would we be open to the yes that God is with us on the path? Would we have eyes to see that Jesus was there? And I know that those are easy things to say and really difficult things to live out. But I believe this about every single person's life that I know. Wherever you find yourself in your own spectrum of conservative or progressive, that God shows up in the most difficult times in your life. That conversation after conversation that I get to have with people in our community, people, by the way, who are still choosing to participate in a church on planet Earth in 2020 is because they had an experience somewhere in their journey. That they have questions about their faith and about God and about the Bible and what is working for their lives. But there is these moments within them, just like these men on the road where their hearts burned with something else. There are these moments in your journey where you've experienced something with God that you can't let go of. And that's the reality that we always wanna push people to participate into that God is there with you. Don't lose that goodness. Don't lose that truth in the midst of you deconstructing everything else. Will God show up in new ways? Of course, that's the story of resurrection, that God shows up in ways that you would have never imagined. That's the hope that we put ourselves into. And if we can be gracious to ourselves about that, that God shows up even in our progression, even as we've moved further in our journey, 
even as we have matured in some different ways, then could we also be gracious to other people in our lives who are in different parts of the journey? That if we can trust that Jesus is there, if we can be open to a bigger yes of God in our lives, if we can have eyes to see all of the new ways that God is working in much bigger realities of this narrative of faith, then I think it tests and offers a testament to the maturity of our faith. That going old school here a little bit with those words, I don't think God tests us in some weird way. I don't think we have a Santa Claus God out there who just wants to see, did you make the naughty or nice list? And that this God is checking it twice and wants to test you to somehow, you know, in some weird gluttonous way, make sure that you're stronger than you were before. I don't think that's what God's doing. I think that we're tested in our own maturity all of the time. That one of the tests and testaments to our maturity is what kind of grace do we offer other people based upon the grace that we've received. How many of us have gone through these journeys where we call out to God and we say, God, can't everyone else just accept that I'm a gay Christian and that I can still be Christian, that, that, that I'm gay and can still be a Christian? God, can't everyone else accept that I've experienced new freedom in my life? Can't my family just accept that I have a bigger, more inclusive view of God? That if you're begging for that grace, for other people to accept this new reality of an unconditional love that you're experiencing, then are you also offering that same grace into their lives? That's the test of your maturity because you're the mature one. You're the one who's gone through this resurrection. You're the one who's died from those old ideals. You're the one who's died from a reality where you only get to experience God in that very confined Southern Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, whatever evangelical thing that you had over there. You're the one who's grown up. You're the one who's healed. You're the one who's transformed. So are they going to love and accept every post that you put on the internet about the newfound freedom that you experience? Of course not. That's maturity. The test and the testament of that maturity is now how do you respond to them? Did you trust God in grace in this unconditional love that meets you where you're at in your own path of maturity, in your own path of being woke? Now that you're woker, wokeness, wokies, I don't, know what the, I don't know what the next term of it is, but wherever you're at in your wokerness, can you trust that God's gonna take them on their own path of becoming woke? And is it different than your path? Of course that it is. So we cannot be people who constantly ask for grace in our path, but then don't offer grace to people when they're in different parts of their journey as well. That I believe that we'll participate in the healing of the world when we are so mature that we know that they're not at that point. When we realize that they're asking questions and having conversations that we used to have, and those aren't conversations that you're having now, and what if that's okay? What if the best way to offer healing and transformation into their lives is not by debating them, not by trying to get into theological debates with them, not imagining that if they don't like everything you put on social media, that they're somehow your enemy, but just accepting the fact that this is where I'm at in maturity within my own journey. And if we can offer our maturity to people in a fresh way, how will that help the evolution of the world in a new way? 
And so let's get practical. What are some things that we can do to participate in this maturity? One of the things I would say that we can do is actually go get on the path. Go get on the road. And I mean this in the most literal sense possible. Uh, Literally, every evening, go get on the road. Go outside and go for a walk. Let the physical movement of going outside and getting on the road and going for a walk be a place where you choose to remind yourself every day in quarantine, I'm a little bit further along than I was a day ago. I'm a little bit further along than I was a year ago. I'm so incredibly grateful for all of the ways that now as I look back, now as I've said yes to God, now that I've been open and have eyes to see that God was actually there for me along the path. What if we take quarantine in some way, and I usually try to avoid this, by the way, of giving really concrete, practical uh, advice around this stuff because I believe that we're all different and unique human beings. But some of our Celtic Christian ancestors, some of uh, the people of faith before us, they would use this idea of going outside at night and watching the sunset to be reminded of all of the good things that happened that day. How the sun is setting on all of those previous realities and how we prepare ourselves to new realities to come. It was a rhythmic way of participating in maturity. It was a rhythmic way of not just allowing quarantine and social distancing just to be a blur for months and can we just grit it out and white knuckle it and will there be enough Netflix? I don't know. But maybe we can start participating in some new rhythms where we go outside and we remind ourselves of the maturity that we have taken on. Maybe that's the gift that we participate with in 2020 during a pandemic. And so I end with this story that I've shared at New Abbey thousands of times, and I'll keep sharing it because I think it's so true. And it's the story about Rabbi Akiva being on a journey, on a path in Israel in the second century. And Rabbi Akiva is journeying in the middle of the night and it's foggy and he took a left instead of a right. And when he took a left, he ended up getting to this Roman barracks and getting to the Roman barracks, the Praetorium shouts out to Rabbi Akiva, who are you and where are you going? And Rabbi Akiva gets a little bit closer to the Roman barracks and said, what did you say to me? And the Praetorium shouts out again, who are you and where are you going? And Rabbi Akiva says, how much do they pay you to work at this Roman barracks? And the Praetorium shares the answer. And Rabbi Akiva says, I will pay you twice as much money to come to my home every morning and to ask me the same questions. Who are you and where are you going, New Abbey? You are on a path of maturity. You are working through healing and transformation. Would you trust that Jesus is with you there? Would you be open to a broader yes that is filled with positivity and hope and joy and open to a resurrection taking place in your life even in the midst of quarantine? Would you let your maturity be a test and a testament to the rest of the world that this form of good news is so much better than the good news that you were given back there? Would you participate in new rhythms that speak to what God is doing in your life? Who are you and where are you going? We are going together in a path of maturity. Would you pray with me? God, thanks that we can have conversations still in the midst of a quarantine and in the midst of a pandemic. And God, would we never lose sight of this reality that we're choosing to follow you, that we're choosing a bigger path, 
that we're choosing a path that has a reality with every other human being in mind. God, would we trust all of the ways that you're healing us? Would we trust all of the ways that you're transforming us? Would we trust the ways, God, that you're maturing us in our lives? Would we choose to participate with you in that maturity? Sure, there's gonna be moments in our life, God, throughout this quarantine where we're gonna do absolutely nothing and that's okay. But God, would we exercise muscles of resiliency spiritually and emotionally and physically and with every fiber of being of our soul that we would grow, that we would move further down the path, that we would offer a greater and bigger story, Jesus, of what you're doing in this world. We pray these things in the good and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to put you back into those Zoom groups to answer this question. Where are you maturing? Go ahead and click on those links, take a few minutes to answer these questions, and we'll come back together. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.